Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Healthy Debates, part of a series of podcasts brought to you by the UK's best-selling women's well-being magazine, Healthy. I'm your host and editorial director, Ellie Hughes. Today, we're looking at the topic of mental well-being at work to tie in with our mental well-being issue of the magazine. We'll be asking the million-dollar question of whether a healthy work-life balance actually exists and, if so, how to achieve it. Here to help us find some answers is our guest, coaching psychologist and founder of the Talent Keeper Specialists, Jessica Chivers. If you like the sound of all of that, remember you can pick up the latest copy of Healthy magazine in your local Holland and Barrett store and on selected newsstands across the country. Or you can head on over to healthy-magazine.co.uk to get your digital fix. So welcome, Jessica. Great to have you here with us today. If we could just kick off the conversation, um, obviously very recently now, the World Health Organization has just declared burnout an official syndrome, um, and that results from chronic workplace stress that has not been properly managed. What, what's your experience and opinion? Do, do you think work generally has become more stressful? I think it has. And I think that stress will vary according to the role that you're in, the, the sector. But there are some generic things that cut right across. If you think about commuting patterns, for example, people are commuting further, they're commuting longer. We have technology that enables you to take your work with you wherever you go. So you have to set your own boundaries in many cases. Um we have flatter hierarchies in organisations now. It's not as easy to navigate a career path, which cause, it can cause stress because you think, gosh, I've got to really prove myself because um, I'm not just going to be handed a promotion. There's not just the next thing for me. Zero hours contracts. We know that they're affecting a lot of people. People worrying, am I going to get enough work this week? And so it goes on, Ellie. So many things have, have changed and so of those uh, factors, I mean, obviously several, for example, the zero hours contract, I'm imagining there's nothing people can really do to manage their stress in that situation. But are there any solutions in terms of maybe the technology, the always on culture, things that people can practically do to kind of take control of, of their stress levels a bit more? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm a big believer in at the beginning of the week. I mean, obviously, it depends what kind of role you're in. But I think about what is it that I need to deliver this week for us as a business? What do I need to do for our clients? And I will think about how I'm going to do that, when I'm going to do that. And I'll have a to-do list for the week, you know, the things that I want to have achieved. Things invariably come up in the, in the week that I wasn't expecting. But then I'll have to think, well, what's, what am I not going to do instead? So I'm very intentional in the way that I go about doing things. Um, and I think that along with that, you've got to think about, well, how am I going to use the tools that I've got? So I can do email on the run. That's great. If I want to start my email really early on a Tuesday morning so that I can finish slightly earlier, you know, you, you can be in charge of it because I think there's a lot of discipline um, needed to uh, kind of keep, keep stress at bay. So that's one of the things that I think is, you know, discipline. How am I going to use this technology so that it enables me rather than gets in the way of the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, in your situation, you are lucky enough to be in charge. Yes. How do people who are not in charge uh, kind of manage the boundaries and perhaps the expectation that they are always on and always happy to respond to emails at all hours of 
the night and day? I don't think most employers want you to be switched on all the time because they recognise that sleep and rest is important. I think what great line managers do is they are having frequent conversations with the people in their teams about what they're expecting from them, how they're going to do it. So regularly checking in and saying, look, how stretched are you at the moment? How does that feel? Is there something I can take off you? Can we recalibrate those timescales? So that's what good line managers mm-hmm. are doing. And I'd encourage anyone who is feeling in a, in a complete state of stress to say to their line manager, um, look, this is what I've got on this week. This is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to go about it. Um, I think it's, it's not possible for me to do all of this or I can do this this way or that way. You know, no manager wants you to say no. So it's up to you to say, look, I can do this or I can do that. And to look like you're in control yourself and that you're delivering for your line manager, not saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm-hmm. And what about, I mean, I've read a few pieces saying that burnout is a particularly millennial um, factor that affects that generation more than others because of the way the millennials are used to being always switched on they just see it as as normal they they struggle to switch off is there any advice you can give people who see that technology is part of their lives to learn how to separate it off and, and not be always turned on yeah yeah, yeah. well well actually um, i'm thinking of a, of a good friend of mine and we were talking about um young people uh, i've got a 12 year old and always being on technology and uh, his children aren't as old but he's got uh, nephews and he said to me jessica i think the thing is it's about building other things into the children's lives um so instead of asking them to come off technology it's about making sure they're doing other things as well and i think the same applies to adults is if you are making a commitment to go to the cinema or meet up with someone after work for the for a dog walk or whatever it is if you're filling your life with some stuff that's not work then work can't take place and there's nothing better Ellie than going swimming because you can't take your phone into a swimming pool i love swimming and now you say that that's probably exactly yeah. the reason why it feels <laughs> it feels like meditation to me i don't actually really like yeah. meditation it's not my personal yeah. thing but swimming just feels very rhythmic it's a kind of yeah. really good way of slowing down switching off so and being present in what in what you're doing at the same time so i, I hear you on that completely um in terms of you know your your line manager being understanding and, and hopefully most are what do you do if you just have one who isn't Oh gosh, that's really tough. And there will be, you know, in, in any, um, organization, big or small, there will be a variety of different leaders and leadership styles. And, um, one of the things that we'll often encourage our coaches to do if they're in a situation where they've got, um, a line manager who perhaps doesn't have a lot of empathy, is quite controlling, micromanaging, um, is if you can see that there are some other line managers in close proximity who were doing things better is is almost to drop into conversation about oh you know over in this team this is how they do that I wonder whether we could try that you never want to tell a line manager you're doing something wrong it would be impertinent you wouldn't get very far but if you can somehow find a way to signpost to your line manager hey there's some good practice going on over there why don't we try that that can be really helpful yeah, good idea. And how do you know? I mean, I, I suppose speaking from personal experience, you know, you feel like you want to be helpful, you want to mm. get everything done. Mm. How do you know yourself when you are putting yourself in a position of potential stress that's uh, kind of more chronic? 
Um, I think that most people have a really good inbuilt sort of radar and there's a, I suppose it's intuition and it's that little voice that says in your head, oh, are you really going to say yes to that? Oh, don't do that. Oh, is that a good idea? And it's that little voice. And if you start to pay attention to that, it, it's almost, it's almost like it's monitoring everything. It's monitoring everything that's going on and how you're feeling. And it's sort of saying, that's not a good idea. Saying no is often not a good idea. It's not good for your career prospects. It doesn't engender good relationships with people. And I think when someone's at risk of taking on too much, you can use a technique that I call the partial yes. So line manager wants to give you something else and you think, well, actually, it's quite interesting not to get involved in that, do that. You might say, um, yep, I can get involved in that. Um, it'll be next Wednesday when I can do that. Or, yep, I can I can get involved in that, but it'll mean I'll need to put this um, to one side. So then you're giving the line manager a choice. You look in control, you look helpful, you um, are showing interest, but you're not crucially going to take on so much that you're collapsing and they're not meeting your friend after work or not getting home to your family or not keeping that other commitment that helps with your well being. If you are kind of trying to present these options and you're not feeling very confident in yourself, how can you perhaps gain more confidence? I mean, often people are asking to, you know, take more control of their careers, work at home more, like you say, have a partial yes. And that can make you feel in a position of, of weakness because you're, you feel like you're compromising. How can you actually get a bit more power back and feel empowered in yourself? Well, it's interesting. You talked about working from home and, and asking for that. I think in a situation like that, you want to be sort of talking to your line manager about how you working in that environment is helping the team, is helping your line manager. So, for example, you might say, um, I'm going to work from home on Wednesday. It depends how comfortable you are, but mm. I always think, don't ask for permission unless you really need to. So just saying, just to let you know, um, I'll be um, out the office on Wednesday. I've got to focus on writing that client pitch or doing that product review or whatever it might be. I'm going to be in a quiet, focused environment. I'll have my mobile on all day. Please contact me if you need to. Practicing what you're going to say before you say it is really helpful too. So having a go at home in front of the mirror, in front of your partner. So the first time you say it to your line manager, the first time you say it is not to your line manager, because then we stumble over our words. We can get a, you know, the, 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 the heat rising up our faces, the clammy hands, feeling embarrassed. And I think it's also good going back to what I was saying earlier about referencing how other teams or other people do things. If you can signpost that things are being done in other parts, of the department or your workplace and say, I'd like to try that. Um, have you got any objections? It's that thing about n not asking for permission, but saying, you know, I, I, I plan to do this. Please let me know if you've got a problem with that or there's any reason you can see why it wouldn't be good for us to do that or for me to try that. And would you say that working at home is, is something we can all use potentially to help us deal with a bit of workplace stress? It's kind of a tool that we can have in our toolbox. Yeah, you know, but people vary, Ellie, in terms of their propensity to want to work at home because some people don't have a calm workplace. You know, I was having a conversation with um, a client um, last year and he was talking about they'd had a fantastic uh, office refit. It looks like um, something out of Habitat or John Lewis catalogue. And he said, you know, 
we haven't got enough desk space for everybody, but it's really difficult to get people to work from home because we've got a lot of young people. It's a law firm, got a lot of young people working here and they're flat sharing and they haven't got a nice space to work at home. And other people say, gosh, I need the sound, the buzz of the office. I need those little interruptions in my day. Um, I can't, I can't work in a home environment, but for people who can, and enjoy quiet and are really self-directed and disciplined. I think working from home can be fantastic and it allows you to sort of jigsaw things together. So, you know, you might get up early and walk your dog, um, you know, in the summer months like we are now and then, and then come and start a piece of work. Give yourself to that for, for an hour solidly, then get up and unstack the dishwasher or what it, or whatever it is. That can be really, really helpful. So I think if you if you know that that works for you, I'd really encourage you to try and do more of that. Sure. And 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 what else can we do then to kind of take more control of our practical working life? So in terms of flexi working, what are your feelings about that? Can that be helpful in terms of managing stress? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think it's about looking at what it is that you have to do in your job in order to be um, delivering the things that you, you are there to do and thinking about, well, what's the best way for me to do that? Is it to be in the office nine to five or eight thirty to five thirty? Or is there a different way? And then go and having a mature conversation with your line manager and say, look, I've been thinking about you know, what I'm here to do and who I need to interact with and where our customers are or where our clients are. And actually, I think it could be more helpful if I did this or did that, you know, offering, um, offering solutions, not just accepting things because that's the way it's always been. You know, why do children still have really long holidays, for instance? Why, um, why do we, um, you know, arrive at work at nine o'clock and finish at five? Sometimes we need to question why we're doing things and if we can see a better way then 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 to do it but you know take your point that feeling in control is really important because that gives us as a sense of um autonomy and 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 freedom and you know that's one of five things you know sort of control that we we need in a workplace to make us feel um to feel good and to feel well and ask other people at work, you know, what is it that, that, that you do that helps you to stay well, well at work? We're, we're social creatures. And if we can learn from others, I think that can help someone who is not particularly confident think, well, if other people are doing it, I can do it too. And I can ask for that. So that's really interesting. So if control is one of the five things we need to feel mentally well or have well-being at work what what are the other four yeah yeah uh, so i use the word control but actually um that's the wrong that's the wrong c dare i dare, dare, dare <laughs> i say that in a podcast i got that wrong um i think that's that's one of the things that we need but i was thinking of a mnemonic developed by a neuroscientist called david uh david rock and he talks about we need uh status we need certainty we need autonomy. So that's really what I meant by control. We need relatedness and we need fairness. So status is about feeling um, what I'm doing is important and the work that I am doing is valued. Um, the C, certainty, that's, we, we don't like ambiguity as human beings. We like to know what's what, what's happening, what's my role, what am I here to deliver? Autonomy, that's about freedom. That's about not being micromanaged. It's about being trusted to get on and do something and to use your brain to 
work out how it should be done. Relatedness is about our um, interactions with other f- other people. So that's about strong relationships and feeling um, connected. And then fairness speaks for itself that a workplace is equitable. So, for example, if you were to make an ask for flexible working and say, this is the way that I would like to work um, and it and it gets approved. And then someone else comes along and says, I would like to work this way, that 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 person also gets that, that it feels like it's been treated fairly. Although, as I say to my children, um, fairness is not always equal. Fairness is different to having things exactly the same. And often it will be women returning to work from having children who will be making those flexible working requests, which is often a time, speaking from experience, when you feel perhaps a little bit vulnerable, a little bit shut off from perhaps what else is going on in the office in spite of everyone's best intentions. How can women who want to return to work feel more confident in their proposals and, and kind of give a better case for their own requests in terms of a change of working hours. Okay, shameless plugs. They need to read my book, read Mother's Work. There's lots of thinking in there about how to do that. Um, if we just take it away from the individual for a second, you know, I really want as a society to get away from this idea that flexibility is just for mothers or just for parents. Flexibility or agile working or output focused working is something for everybody. And I think increasingly we're seeing organisations switch on to the idea of working in different ways as being something for everyone. And as that happens, it should become easier for specific groups to ask for something because they're not asking for something that's going terribly against the grain. It's just the way things get done. Um, I think what can be really helpful is if you are returning to work and you're looking for flex, talk to other people who are further down the line than you. You know, how did you pitch for it? What did your line manager say? Um, so you're getting a bit of advice from, from a peer. I think always think about things from your line manager and the team's perspective. Once you do that, you can think, mm, well, what might the possible objections be to that and how can I mitigate them? Because ultimately, a line manager wants to see that you are thinking commercially, that you're thinking about your customers, you're thinking about the impact on the rest of the team. And if you can demonstrate that you've thought about that, um, it's easier to make your to make your ask. And the other thing that you can do is say, can we trial it? Can we trial it for three months? Can we trial it for six months? And it would take a fairly unreasonable line manager to say no to that. And the other thing you might do is you might put it as a written request, as an email to start with, say, can we have a discussion about that? Here are my thinking points. So that the first time you're asking is not in person, where again, you might get flustered and then backtrack, but putting it on an email. And remember that, you know, you might have to make a formal request for flexible working, but don't let that be the first time your line manager hears your thinking. Always have a conversation before you start putting in the formal things because that can come like a jolt out of the blue to a line manager who thinks what can't can't cope with with you not being here one and a half days a week whereas if you've had a sensible discussion to warm her or him up in the first place and they understand your motivations um, and you have a discussion about it that will most probably get you to a better outcome than if you don't do that. You talked quite a bit about um, your line manager wanting the best for you, your line manager wanting everyone to work well together. What if you are in the unfortunate situation where really you just have a line manager who doesn't seem to appreciate where you're coming from? Perhaps you don't get on personally. What are some techniques or tactics that people can use in that situation? 
I think what's really important is that you remember that you can leave. Okay, no matter how dire your circumstances, you always have a choice to go somewhere else or to go and look for other work. And I think when you remember that, you are starting to take back control and a feeling of powerfulness. We don't live in a dictatorship. Um, and think about, well, what are my other options? Now, it might be that your other options are not particularly good, in which case, remember that, well, you're making a choice to stay where you are. And I think it's important you do that because that brings you um, a sense of power. I think if you are... Um, if you still feel like, oh, you know, I can't leave. There's reasons why I need to stay here. You know, again, talking to peers, perhaps you talk to other line managers um, confidentially and say, look, I am having a difficult time here. Um, can I pick your brain on on how you might approach this situation? You don't necessarily need to say it's your line manager. You could just say, I'm having a tricky time with the person in my team can I tell you a little bit about it can you give me um, some wisdom and again that person might be able to offer you some some thoughts on 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 how you do that there's no one panacea no one silver bullet how to solve a horrible lineup manager and I say this flippantly but I do know people who've done this um you can always try and put some other jobs under your line manager's nose look at this amazing job over here. Wouldn't it be amazing if you get your line manager to move on rather than you have, have to go? But I've heard people do that, so I'm, I'm, I'm only half jesting when I say that. But I wonder, Ellie, what have you seen work? You know, you work in a fairly big organisation. I mean, I suppose I'm asking because I see an environment people lots are often very busy, people are under pressure, and I have tremendous empathy for those people at all levels of an, of an organisation. So often you might be asking for something, but you in fact know that you're being asked to do it from your managers because they're really busy. You're asking your team to do it because, and, but they're also mm. really busy. Mm. So how do we manage a kind of a general busyness, I guess, a general sense that we're all being asked to do more than we ever were before? I think team meetings can be really helpful there um, where someone, anyone could table that to go on the, on the agenda of a team meeting and say, look, um, I, I think as a team we're behaving like this or we're behaving like that. There could be a better way. And make it a team responsibility rather than just the line manager or that one individual um, that's struggling. I often say to teams, I think it's really good, if, especially if you're um, a virtual team or you're a team that is geographically spread, every Monday morning to have five, 10 minute call, conference call, where each person gets up to about 30 seconds to talk about what they've got on that week, what they're hoping to have delivered by the end of the week. And then you have a check-in either on a Thursday afternoon or Friday lunchtime and you say, yep, I've got this done or I would like a little bit of help with this or has anyone else got a bit of bandwidth to help with this? So you feel like things are, are shared and that you've got a shared understanding of what it is that everybody is having to work on the different stresses and pressures and challenges, just drive up that level of empathy. Um, and, and on that note, I think sometimes line managers can feel really lonely in that, that they're getting pressure from above. They want to protect their team below, but they can't always do that. It's really great for line managers if they get some positive feedback from their team members. And if we think about say, a, a horror of a line manager amongst horrible behaviours that he or she does, there'll be times when they then they do get it right. I mm -hmm. imagine people are not a horror all the time. And is if you as a team member can praise that line manager when you catch them doing something right, a bit like with children, you know, we say catch them doing something right, praise them. That line manager is likely to start giving you 
more airtime. You go up in his or her estimation because you've made them feel good. And as a psychologist, you know, I, I, I share that because we know that the, the, the best way to get someone to repeat a behavior is if they feel good, if it's reinforced, if they're praised, if it's recognized. So catch the line manager doing something good and notice it, praise it. Yeah, great idea. I mean, we've talked quite a bit about stress at work. What about the other big one, which is anxiety? So if uh, someone's feeling really anxious about something particular at work, what can they reasonably expect in terms of help from their line manager or the HR department? That's a tricky one. Um, I don't know whether listeners might have heard of the mental health first aid light. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a national course. Um, that's something that employers are increasingly doing um, training line managers on if they've done that they'll know they'll have a bit of an insight into um, anxiety as a uh, a particular issue in the workplace Um, things will be handled differently in different workplaces and quite often it depends on the personal experience of a line manager or an HR person because if they've got first-hand experience or experience in the family they'll have a greater understanding and greater empathy and resources that they can potentially share with you If you are feeling anxious um, and there isn't a clinical diagnosis, try try and share that, try and pinpoint that with your line manager and talk about, I've noticed that in this situation, these things are happening, you know, it's keeping me awake at night, worried about that particular meeting or what I'm being asked to do there. Can we just talk it through? Because I'm really keen to find a way for me to still be able to do that thing that's causing me anxiety, but try and find a way to reduce those hurtful, harmful, difficult feelings and thoughts that I'm having. Now, it's a slightly different kettle of fish if you have a clinical diagnosis for anxiety, and we can probably expect employers to be doing different things. Um, the website Mind is a great place to go and read about the sorts of things that people can do for themselves and the sort of things that employers can do and that we might want to um, ask an employer to do with us. Anxiety is often linked to specific things, unless you have a diagnosis of, say, generalised anxiety disorder. But quite often anxiety in the workplace is is linked to to something, to a, a situation, some triggers or a particular individual. So if you can articulate those and start to work them through with your line manager, um, find somebody that you can talk to at work, even if it's not your line manager, but find someone that's in a senior position position that you know is respected that and you trust them and you feel comfortable around that person and start to tell them talk about it because I do know really good um, stories of where anxiety has been treated really well taken seriously and great support has been given. So in your opinion do you feel that workplaces I know it's a general question workplaces are generally becoming more aware of the need to provide good mental well-being processes and support for their employees are we are we, is there something positive are we on a good good way you know to progress the situation here i i think we are because mental health is getting so much more airtime press time it's out there you've got you know members of the royal family leading campaigns about it national newspapers leading mental health campaigns it's it's out there employers are aware of this for some employers it's more about okay um 
properly the financial side and actually we need to keep our staff well to keep them you know here other businesses will have had senior leaders who have been impacted by significant mental health issues and so it comes from a more authentic genuine place i won't try and pronounce his surname he's a spanish ceo of um lloyd's banking group he wore at least he was at the time um famously in the last couple of years he was completely burnt out anxiety wasn't sleeping and then he 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 came back and he talked about that and i imagine things have changed in that organization to some extent taking it seriously because of his uh personal experience antonio but i can't i can't pronounce his surname right. um so i do think that we're, we're on a positive trajectory that's not to say there won't be workplaces out there that just don't have a clue because it's like anything you'll have early adopters and you'll have laggards and you'll have a bunch in the middle who's just start to switch on and think oh we need to do something what are our competitors doing but i do hear good stories about people being looked after so keep talking don't be afraid to bring it up with your line manager and gradually gradually the taboo will be will be broken we hope absolutely and it might be that you need to be the first person to start to talk about something in your in your workplace and i imagine that when you do there'll be others who come forward i hear this all the time you know it's something that's happening in um internal conferences um in team meetings you know any any number of places where this is starting to get talked about and then the stories get shared and we see more people start to talk about things we've got to talk about it because that's the way through sharing stories that we can resolve problems and move things on for the better absolutely absolutely so one one final question a biggie we talk a lot about the idea of the kind of healthy perfect work life balance is it possible? And if so, what what does it look like and how do we get one? Oh, what a question. <laughs> well, firstly, um, I detest the phrase work-life balance because it, it almost suggests that work is something separate from life. I am a really big believer that when you match your inherent strengths, a strength is something that you're good at and that you feel energized by, by uh, match those strengths to work that you find interesting and that where you get to go to work and use your strengths and you are rewarded um, for using those strengths, that work can be a really, really good thing for us. And so to pit work against the rest of life is a bit of a shame. So I think a good life includes includes work. And I, I encourage people to think about what do I need in my life for me to feel well, for me to feel like my life has purpose, that I'm doing good. You know, what we all need in our life to feel like we, it goes back to this scarf mnemonic, you know, that status, that autonomy, relatedness. So is it about a good life, work, work, work life balances, only working four days a week and having a three day weekend? It might be that for some people. It might not be for others, but it's about giving your energy to a range of different things and making sure every week you are able to do the things that make you feel good. For some people that will mean a lot more hours in the office or their workplace than others, but it's an individual thing. So I think it's about having a balanced life, having a well life, leading the good life. It's not work-life balance. Jessica, thank you so much. That's really great advice. I'm sure our listeners will take that to heart and find themselves in a much better place going forwards. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. That was episode 10 of Healthy Debates. If you like what you heard, remember you can buy the latest edition of Healthy Magazine in your local Holland and Barrett store and on selected newsstands across the country. 
or you can head over to healthy-magazine.co.uk. And please do feel free to subscribe to our regular podcasts on your podcast app and do give us a rating. That was episode 10 of the Healthy Debates podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.